Good afternoon, everybody. It's Wednesday, November 2nd. I'm here with Jalal Madani. He's behind the camera. Sean Durkin here. And um, just noticed, Jalal, actually, my jacket matches the Timeless Wealth sign quite nicely. Did we plan that? Looks pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Is it North American enough for you? The style of the jacket? A little too North American. Is it? Okay. Jalal and I just had a conversation around, uh, let's say, sartorial preferences. And uh, Jalal definitely leans to European, where apparently I lean to uh, trucker-style North American. But anyways, I digress. Um, last time we did a market wrap, uh, it was the end of September. It was a pretty uh, pretty interesting time in the markets, to put it mildly. It was uh, red all over the place. And uh, naturally, investors were quite fearful that, uh, you know, what would bring us in October, given that October has this grave reputation of being just a, uh, a wash in the markets. And uh, we call this the hunt for Red October. Um, and fear was palatable and uh, totally understandable. And yet, as we journey out to today, the markets actually were pretty resilient in October. Um, the Dow was up about uh, 9%, the S&P 500 up about 8%, TSX up 3 so forth. So today we're going to evaluate some of the factors that may have contributed to why this may have occurred. And that's coming up next with Amy Dees Graham, Jalal Madani, and yours truly, Sean Dirk. So we're back. Hi, Amy. Hello. Hi, Jalal. Hey, Sean. Nice uh, jacket, Sean. Thank you. That's <laughs> just the time. The, tr the trucker jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and, and no, look, we're having some fun. We're having a little yeah. bit of fun on our podcast, but it has Absolutely. been a lot of fun this year, uh, you know, from an investment standpoint. Yeah. And I know, uh, yeah. we know some, a lot of people that have recently retired, they've never been through a market environment like this in retirement. It's been a pretty difficult, frustrating time. We'll get into that in a moment. Um, we just got through September and we just got through October, which are generally regarded as the two worst months of the, of the calendar year. Yeah. September definitely lived up to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but October, October surprises. And, um, it's interesting because when, you know, there's a there's a psychological response to how we feel about September and October, and then there's a reality. For instance, if you go back on the S&P 500 to 1925, um, the average in October in terms of returns monthly is actually positive. It's actually plus 0.6% on average. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although overwhelmingly, people look at October as a frighteningly, frighteningly negative month. And even September, which is indeed the worst month of the calendar year, its rate of return is negative 0.6% on mm -hmm. average during the calendar year. Now, you ask the question, if October generally is positive over, let's say, almost 100 years of data on the S&P 500, why people view it as such a negative month? Well, there's reasons for that. Um, October 1929, that was the beginning of the Depression, the market, the famous uh, stock market crash and so forth. Uh, October was down 20% in October 1929. The S&P 500 was down 21.5% during Black Monday in October 1987. Mm -hmm. uh, in October 2008, uh, you know, the markets were, the S&P 500 was down about 17%. And people remember these things, particularly mm -hmm. our generation remembers October, October 2008 and what followed after that. And we tend to highlight these events because at the end of the day, and this is fair, by the way, mm -hmm. we're naturally, we're naturally, uh, we'd actually have a recency bias and we naturally have a negativity bias, which is enforced with various let's say, stimulus around us, be it the media and, and just overall and so forth. But that's where we are. October surprised us on the upside. And we, we thought we'd go into various factors in terms of why that was. Well, and we're, we're feeling it from the conversations we're having with clients right now, right? So to your point around recency bias, it just feels so negative. You're reading lots of, you know, Jalal, you were talking about some of the news you were reading recently. Like, <clears throat> it just doesn't feel very good. Yeah. 
Um, like I read, uh, uh, I think it was Visa. They they released that uh, credit card debt is is on the rise again amongst Canadians. Mm-hmm. Um, same with this was really sad. This was really one that got to me where P- Canadians are actually skipping meals even mm-hmm. because because of the rise of uh, or because of the rise of um, of, of cost of, of stuff. So yeah. to skip meals, that's yeah. that's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people are feeling it. So the conversations we're having, we have a lot of clients that now's the time where we want to revisit the plan again, right? Because yeah. it's, it's, is this going to last forever? What's this going to feel like longer term for me? If it sustains this, am I going to need to start adjusting my, my budgets? Do I need to start? And I, clients are telling me I'm on the phone with the, the phone companies trying to reduce my phone bills. Like everybody's taking a hard look at their budgets mm-hmm. to really adjust and, and tweak things right now. Yeah. But we have to remember, despite all of that, and when things feel really, really crummy, and they will, when the market turns, it typically is that leading indicator. So when we look around, it will still feel negative. We'll all feel very skeptical if we go back to that behavioral chart mm-hmm. that we looked at mm-hmm. and how we're all feeling on this emotional roller coaster. It's going to feel crummy. The markets will then all of a sudden turn and we'll feel skeptical about it. We'll yeah. all have theories as why it's not going to be sustainable, yeah. but it'll eventually come out of this. Yeah. But it's going through it and really taking a hard look at where we stand now. And we're modeling lots of plans again yeah. to say, and how does it feel now? Worst case scenario, what does this look like? And, you know, I don't really think uh, that times like this are that like th- while they are bad, but you could be used in a. They could be used in a good way. Like I remember a couple episodes ago. I think Sean, you said uh, you mentioned that during times of recession, companies use this time to focus. They slim down. Blah blah. blah. So in times like this, right? I think individuals, investors, individuals and investors can actually look at their their financial um, standings, and they can start saying, you know what? Do I really need this? Do I really not yeah. need this? So I think even at an individual level, not only at a corporate level, you individuals can start slimming down their their excess costs and stuff. Like, do you you know for pure example do we really need you know like a netflix membership along with a disney membership and an hbo and all that stuff right or you've got com- that storage unit that you haven't looked at and you're exactly. spending like 300 dollars a month and yeah, yeah. you haven't gone to the storage facility in two years Precisely. so <laughs> so i think that 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 feeling of fear i think is a natural instinct in us you know 100%. in mammals yeah and i think it's a time where you can use that fear to really look at your life and look at your surroundings and see what's going on and maybe you know like slim down your your cost slim down your um uh, or in- increase your income. For example, maybe even some people, they can find new ways to make, you know, to make even passive income or whatnot, mm-hmm. whether it's dividends or, you know, even picking up a side hustle. But the point is, I'm trying to say is that that feeling of fear, um, it's it's a natural instinct and mm-hmm. you can use that to, you know, to your advantage as well. It's not always negative. You, you learn, you tend to learn more during times of tough environments. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Things yeah. are really nice and you're walking through the tall glass, yeah. tall yeah. grass. So, you know, the, the learning environment's a little different. I'm saying you don't learn, but when yeah. things are tough, you tend to double down in terms yeah. of what you're really good at. Can you get better? You sharpen yeah. the saw, as Stephen Covey used to say, and, and and so forth. And what I wanted to do a little bit today, I didn't want to dwell on it, but just yeah. pull back the curtain in terms mm-hmm. of what's going on with the operating results of companies. And and one thing I noticed, like first off, if you looked at all the companies so far that reported on the S&P 500, and that's roughly about 70% of them. Yeah. 72% roughly of the companies that are reported have actually exceeded analyst estimates in terms of uh, earnings per share and mm-hmm. revenue. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're doing well relative to what was expected. Yeah. They're definitely not being Pollyanna. Yeah. They're guiding very conservatively. They know the economy is is either slowing down or is in a recession and so forth, depending on which company, you li- what report you look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what, what I've noticed 
at least for really solid blue chip companies, is the dividend and share repurchase activity remains intact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Companies that have grown their dividends in the past are growing their dividends today. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I'll give you an example. Like many companies increased their dividend just in the last six weeks. Yeah. Uh, and that includes Microsoft, Texas Instruments, Emerson Electric, AbV, a good Canadian transportation company called TFI International, increased their dividend 30%. Yeah. Visa increased their uh, dividend 20%. Mm-hmm. Imperial, Imperial Oil did too as well, I yeah, think, last week. I think it was a big dividend yeah, increase. It was yeah. a huge yeah. dividend increase. Yeah. So largest, largest dividend increase, I think, in, in Imperial Oil history. Right. Yeah, so, 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 so from an operating standpoint and, and, and from the manner in which companies are rewarding shareholders, it remains intact. That could change, mm-hmm. but, but it remains intact right now. One thing we are noticing, and we, we warned about this, I think, in a prior podcast a few weeks ago, there, you know, management is, is, is guiding very conservatively. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the prudent thing to do in this environment. I, I actually like that, right? So I, w- I would be more fearful of the company that comes out and is kind of rah-rah, a lot of excitement. It's yeah. like, well, we all kind of think that we're heading into this recession. Now we can all argue how deep the recession will be or not. But I like that a company is being measured and taking steps mm-hmm. and being cautious in this environment. That that makes me feel a little bit more confident in, in the business overall. Well, and, and also a lot of a lot of the macro, which was grabbing the headlines in September, you mm-hmm. know, that, and that really caused a lot of turmoil in the markets. Companies really had nothing to say against that backdrop until they started announcing how well they're doing amongst that. So mm-hmm. the macro was dominating the headlines, and and it was all about in, interest rates going higher globally, inflation. Mm-hmm going higher, although it may or may not have peaked. It seems it's looking like it's peaking. And again, companies were not saying anything to support their share prices until they obviously they have to announce. They're all most of them are in blackout periods before they can announce. So they can't say anything to kind of mm-hmm. defend their positions. Yeah. Now that said, things are starting to look a little better economically. We won't feel it, you know, sitting in our chairs or at home, you know, when you're at dinner with your family and so forth. But it appears that supply chain issues are starting to abate a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a couple examples. Um, shipping times, shipping rates are beginning to fall in terms of the, the you know, the cost of shipping a, a product from destination A to destination B. And if you look at basically, um, water shipping, it used to be the, the shipping times are actually declining. So at the beginning of the year, it was around 113 days to ship a product from point A to point B via the sea or via the St. Lawrence, you know, river and so forth. Um, now that's down to about 95 days. It doesn't seem significant, but that's roughly a 20% reduction in terms of the time it takes to get a product from position A to position B. Um, so it's still, it's improving. Higher interest rates globally are having, it looks like they're having the effect. It's not immediately known, but it's starting to appear this way. It's having the desired effect of slowing down the global economy. So we've actually seen a few countries moderate the pace at which they're increasing interest rates. So for instance, Canada was expected last week to increase interest rates by 75 basis points. They only took it higher by 50 basis points. Australia, Poland, and Colombia followed the same suit. In the United States, there's there's some evidence to suggest that they may slow their pace of interest rate hikes as well. In fact, uh, San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly, she said that re- she said recently that the U.S. should start planning to reduce the size of its rate increases. And the San Fran Fed is a, is a fairly significant component of the mm-hmm. overall Fed, mm-hmm. uh, uh, decision process. And also the European central bank said they're making process or making progress in terms of the fight against inflation. So things, you know, fingers crossed, 
might be rolling over a little bit here. Well, you, Jalal, we are talking about supply chain stuff. Uh, I've got little kids at home. And so anybody knows that there's a, the shortage of uh, Tylenol and Advil well, and things like that. But yeah. you're starting to notice it. It's been like that since July. It's starting to pop up a little bit more. So, you know, anecdotally, we're starting to see certain things start to move again. Yeah. So, you know, so the, the, the hunt for the Red October yielded no Red October. You know, October coming off a pretty bad September kind of bounced back a so little bit. So can I ask yeah. you a question, Sean? So because uh, today's Wednesday and the the Fed was going to announce how much they're going to raise and they're going to raise it 75 basis points rather Probably. than the 50. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Any any thoughts there? Like, does that mean inflation is getting better, worse? The fact that they still kept it at 75 rather than like what Canada did at 50 basis points there. The, the key is going to be what how the Fed guides after this. What Powell says mm-hmm. after you know on his news conference, following remarks, after, yeah, 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 yeah. Following, yeah. follow yeah. remarks because it, it's um, they see anything we're seeing, they're seeing, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and, I even, think, and even more so. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. Is inflation worse in the U.S. than in Canada right it now? Is. It is right, yeah. not yeah. as bad as I think the U.K., but it's it's still right. pretty up. So yeah. okay, yeah. 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 So they're but they're looking at a number of factors uh, in terms of where inflation is going, like you know core core PCE. Mm-hmm. You know, they're looking at headline mm-hmm. inflation. Food is a difficult one because it's a highly, it's always a highly volatile measure, and there's so many exogenous forces that mm-hmm. can affect food prices beyond their control. So they're, they're you know, they're following that. Right. Um, so we'll see what Powell has to say say this afternoon. Um, but you know, look, what I look at because again, there's so many factors beyond our control. Mm-hmm. We talked yeah. about that yeah. actually yeah. In, in another podcast. So I look for what what are we seeing in the actual companies that we own because mm-hmm. they're viable businesses. They're making profit and they're rewarding shareholders. And what I'm seeing is that the odds are the odds significantly suggest that the great companies that that we own will successfully maneuver through this environment and they will invest in their business, double down on what they're very good at. So they come out the other end even stronger than where they were mm-hmm. when they entered the, the economic downturn, yeah. recession, what we however we want to describe it. The other thing is that while we talked about October and September being the two worst months on the calendar. During the year, it's actually October is the third worst month. May's, believe it or not, the second worst month. But I digress. Seasonality now works in our favor. It doesn't mm-hmm. that does not by any stretch doesn't of the work all the time. Yeah, but it doesn't work all yeah. the time. But November, December, January, and February tend to be positive months on the TSX, the S and P five hundred, European markets, and so forth. Really, and, J- January right after uh, yep. r- right after the holidays. Yep. Oh, I thought January would be one of the low months. Nope. Personally, it feels a little drab and cold yeah, yeah. in winter. Like, <laughs> it might Jan- not feel so great. Feel like, but, January yeah. comes, the ramen comes out. It's yeah. like okay, guys, it's a whole month of ramen. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> your credit card bills. Yeah. That's for that's for reasons that are outside of what companies themselves are doing. But but I get it. Um, now, but to be blunt, to be blunt, I mean, there's good, there's likely going to be an economic slowdown and mm-hmm. a recession in the coming months and. If there's any good news in that, is that that's what central banks are purposely trying to create, mm-hmm. and that will likely dampen demand, and it should lead to a dampening in inflation, a reduction in inventory, or you know, like mm-hmm. a reduction in the in the supply chain issues, and so on and so forth. That's what we can hope for in this tough environment. Is that mm-hmm. coming out of it, the things that we're trying to fix get fixed. Well, and to your point, anytime you go through a difficult period, this is a, a learning opportunity. And I look at my generation particularly, we, we were used to these low interest rates, right? Yeah. So we think that's normal. And so right now we're looking at going, rates are so high. But when I talk to some of our older clients, they'll yeah. say, I remember paying, you know, our mortgage was 17%. And, you know, I'm thinking, think about a how- A mortgage of 17%? I know. Yep. 
It Jeez. was really intense. So we're, you know, I talking to clients that they had mortgages at like 1.6%. Now we're in a more normalized environment, albeit it, we had those low rates for so long. It became, again, to your point around recency bias, we all think that Almost they're supposed the to be yeah. that way all yeah. the time, but they're not. So I think a lot of people and especially younger people are now going through the process of what does this mean for my budget? Now I've yeah. got to look at this. What can I afford? What can I afford? So coming back to the financial planning aspect, Clients that have never gone through a downturn in retirement, going through a downturn in retirement versus you're working and going through a downturn very different. feels really, really different, mm -hmm. feels a lot scarier. Mm -hmm. And so some of the conversations we're having, people feel rightly so very nervous about mm -hmm. where we stand in terms of the volatility mm -hmm. and don't want this to drag on much longer because they're now feeling, do I need to change my whole lifestyle? But we have to remember when we do our planning, we've modeled for days like this. We've gone through this several iterations to say, we know there's going to be a downturn now and in future there'll be more and they'll continue to happen because it's part of the business cycle. But that's a really good point to be looking at them yeah. at this moment to kind of calm the nerves a little bit yeah. because it just feels horrible. And, and things that people can do right now, you know, like Jalal, you touched on it in terms of reviewing your budget and, and mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're prudent, you know, cutting back if you want to in certain areas. The other thing, too, and, and, and we will be wanting to do this with everybody if we haven't already started with you already, is review your tax circumstance. Do a thorough Re re review your tax circumstance. How much tax okay. you're paying and make sure that you're not paying any more in tax than you absolutely, absolutely need to, mm -hmm. because that could be a risk free saving. To make sure we're optimizing mm -hmm. on that front so that, and we, we try to do this every year, but today more so than ever, we want to make sure we're, we're scrubbing for every opportunity to, to reduce tax and, mm -hmm. and, uh, cause that'll help alleviate some of the pain that's mm -hmm. going as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, of course. Well, I was just going to ask you guys, but Amy, you touched upon it a bit. I was going to ask you guys, like in such environments, besides, for example, managing the, the emotions of your clients or of investors, you know, where do you guys come in into helping them with the fear? Or helping them get over what, whatever it is that they're feeling, if if you can, obviously, you know that the fact that yeah. they're retired and and the world almost seems like to be ending, yeah, and it rightfully so. Like if I was retired and that was and my investments were the only source of my income, yeah, right, I would be scared. I would I would be fearful, right? So absolutely. Well, as wealth advisors, as as portfolio managers, um, you know, like do you guys do more active? Um, are you guys more active in their portfolio? Do you guys automatically review their plan just to make sure everything's cool? Like, the where plan, do you guys the plan is key, reviewing that and reminding people why we've gone through what we've gone through in the planning process, because usually we've done those when things have been good. And now yeah. we're now the plan is being tested. So a lot of clients want to see, can you put in the, the lower numbers in my portfolio so I can see what that looks like? Kind of assuming more worst case scenarios to, to really test the plan. Oh, by lower numbers, they're assuming they're... Put Lock, lock, let's lock in the, the low balance in my account now and assume a very small, you know, rate of return going mm -hmm. forward mm -hmm. as the new norm. Um, and again, these are more extreme scenarios that we're, we're kind of testing on a tail end, right? Mm -hmm. So, but for a lot of people, that'll give them peace of mind to know that there's a level of conservativeness built into the plan. Yeah. Looking at the portfolio, again, we talked about this last week was on the dividends. They're still paying dividends. There's still income coming into the portfolio. Yeah. Most clients, when we sit with them, we've already allotted how much they should have in cash on hand so that we're not selling good assets in, in, in difficult periods. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we, we've done a good job having that cash reserve on hand so we can let the markets recover. And then if we need to adjust going forward, if they feel like they needed an extra buffer 
for whatever reason, you can adjust, but mm-hmm. you don't want to make big sweeping changes when markets are down. Mm-hmm. And you're hearing a lot of the talking heads on TV. They're like, here's the latest trend and this trend and that trend. You don't want to jump into that in a difficult period and start making big changes in the portfolio because you have to remember, why did we set it up in the first place? Mm-hmm. We've tested it. We've modeled it. It's being patient and riding through it, which is not easy to do. And you've yeah. like modeled it like so far, what the S&P this year has done, what, 25%? 30%? Not quite. It's not about 20, but still. Okay. Yeah. So around there. you guys like model it to, to that kind of, to those kind of lows. Okay. So, so the plans have, we use a Monte Carlo simulation in it. So what that means to, to simplify it, it's more about randomizing the rates of return. So instead of assuming you make 5% every single year, well, that would be great if that, mm-hmm. that happened, but it doesn't. Markets go up and down. Over time, you hope it averages out to a nice smoother ride. But if if we model in what's the simulation kind of more, more true like to ra- life, random sampling. So then mm-hmm. you can say with a ninety five percent confidence level, your expenses <clears throat> fall within this range. You're going to be okay. Okay. And so looking at those numbers to say is this realistic? Does this still suit for what I'm trying to do? That's that's the key. So what kind of drops? And this I, I don't mean to put you guys on the spot. Here. <laughs> what kind of drops would really a call for a like complete revamp of financial plan, like forty percent drop in the uh, 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 in the market. But or, that would be as if you're going to say is, you, you would have to assume it's like master disaster, and then yeah. there's never a recovery. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know so, what I mean? So because all, all markets takes, recover. Oh, okay. I see what you're right? saying. So you could do you could model in like the master disaster and say it drops twenty percent, it never recovers, which I don't think is going to be the case, no, right? So it's, it's always recovered. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other thing too, you always and this is the frustrating thing in an environment like this, but you always want to have in a portfolio some exposure to growth companies, mm-hmm. some long term exposure to growth companies, which have not had a great year this year. No. Yeah. But anyone who invested in growth companies like Microsoft or Amazon or Alphabet over the last five to ten years, you're still up. A, a very healthy amount a ton of money mm-hmm. yeah. over that time. But you also want to have some value stocks like Canadian banks would be a good example of, you know, more value oriented type companies yeah. that you want to own. So you want to blend of all those, but you want to allocate it in such a way that if something untowards happens in the short run mm-hmm. to one area of your portfolio, it does not irrevocably or irretrievably wipe out your ability to grow as time goes on and, and sorry, survive. Can, sorry, uh, uh, can you repeat that again? Uh, I lost the train of thought there. Can you repeat that again? So so you wait, you, you own companies and sectors in such a proportion that if something untoward happens in that sector relative to the other sectors, it doesn't diminish or wipe out irretrievably your ability to progress forward as time, time goes oh, on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like mm-hmm. diversity, like it, that's really the, good that's strategic diversification. Diver- that's why you diversify. Right. Now, yeah. this year diversification has been difficult because v- virtually every asset class globally is down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give you an example. Gold, which is one of those asset classes that people talk about as being a safe haven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you buy gold when inflation's high. Yeah. That's the rumor. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you buy you buy gold when there's a lot of geopolitical risk. I'd argue yeah. there's a, there's both in play yeah. right now. Yeah. Gold's down sixteen percent year over year. So yeah. it, it's been one of those years. But you know, the one thing when you own good companies that are operating properly and so on and so forth, and they're paying out income. I can't stress this enough. So far, income is not been diminished yeah. in this mm-hmm. environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners, uh, income, we, we, we released last week an excellent, uh, it was actually a really uh, insightful episode on, on income and, on, on yeah. and, and growth like and that. so forth. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, and the, the other thing too, uh, you know, I was reading this and uh, it, it was basically in uh, investopedia.com. I was reading this this morning because yeah. I was still, you know, I was looking at like October gets this bad rap and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they wrote about this and, and they printed it actually uh, 
just today that came out. It talked about October being an angel in disguise. And what How about it said, this, like this coming October or just October's just in October's general? Just in general. Oh, okay. like when they're really, really bad, you know, they, like basically what happens is, is that historically they've heralded the end more often than the beginning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of a change in direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like in, in 1987, had you panicked and sold into cash after Black Monday and the, and the downturn in the, in the markets then, particularly in the U.S., it virtually recovered, as I recall, within three months. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. It was a rapid recovery. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Peter Lynch, for instance, amongst others, what he used to do is take these opportunities to basically enter ownership of companies he missed on the way up. Yeah. He would get into them when they would go down. And then over time, he was very happy that he did it. So it's like, it's hard to be an optimist right now. It I've, is. Been yeah. saying, I've been saying yeah. it often yeah. this year. It really is. Yeah. Um, and we're not being Pollyanna. I'm certainly not being yeah. Pollyanna. But as long as companies are producing goods and services people need and use, they're, they're, you know, they're operating and they're, they're investing in their businesses mm-hmm. and they're rewarding shareholders for sticking with them. Yeah. Over time, you should be fine. Yeah. I can't guarantee it. I don't have, I can't, you know, yeah. crystal ball can be fuzzy sometimes. But <laughs> history's an indication. It'll be good. Yeah. So, well, I certainly hope so. So bold prediction then for the future. Uh, dividends, they're going to keep going up. What's going on, Sean? Um, Futuristically, <laughs> tell me. My, my bold prediction is that the that dividend growth on the S&P TSX and on the S&P 500, if you journey out a year, will be higher than the aggregate inflation number of that year. Yep. In other words, you will higher. still higher. That's pretty bold. Yep. yep. It's hard, to I, see, it's hard to see it if you're looking at the market right now. That's, <laughs> my, that's, my, that, that's my prediction. It, it, by the way, it's, it's grounded in history. Yeah. Yep. But... The odds are pretty strong that you'll see dividend growth outpace inflation in right. the coming year. Yeah. So surprising October, guys. All so right. let's Th- see thanks, what guys. November has in store. Well, thanks, guys, for tuning in. That was the hunt for the red October. And um, Sean came up with that name. It's actually pretty cool. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> may or may not have read the book. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been that fancy jacket. <laughs>